Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio. To the one, the only, the original L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio. And uh, with the elongated home span, we are actually busting out non-game day episodes. And we're going to get you all caught up on all the L.A. Kings news. And joining me right now to uh, talk all things L.A. Kings, none other than L.A. Kings superfan, Mr. Augie Loya. Hey, Augie, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, Hip. Thanks for checking. Looking forward to a game day tomorrow at the Frozen Dojo, otherwise known as the Staples Center. And uh, by the way, folks, when you get out there, make sure to go take a picture with that sweet new statue that has been set up right in Star Plaza, right over by Chick Hearn, because it's none other than our own very legendary Bob Miller that's in front there. Nope, the hip check statue has not been put out there yet. They're still reviewing the possibility <laughs> of that happening. But, uh, you know, just hang tight on that. We're, we're, still, we're still debating whether or not there will be a hip check statue in front of Staples Center. <laughs> You're much too kind, uh, Mr. Augie. So uh, thank you for uh, mentioning that. And if you want to start a uh, GoFundMe campaign to get the hip check statue, uh, uh, you, you have my legal permission, for sure. So anyways, hey, uh, We've got a lot to talk about, man. There has been a slew of Kings news here in the last week. We got uh, some Kings roster movement. We got some Ontario Reign movement. Uh, we got a Gabriel Velarde update. Uh, we got a special guest going to be calling us later and giving us uh, some NHL news, maybe about the Vegas Knights and maybe just a little bit more insight into our beloved LA Kings. And, uh, I'm even watching the Pittsburgh Penguins versus the uh, Mighty Ducks right now. And, of course, uh, being that those same Penguins are going to be playing our beloved Kings tomorrow, I'll be giving you updates there. And, uh, Augie, I guess the first uh, best place to start here is uh, maybe the best news given uh, the Kings' recent slide. Four losses in a row. Uh, four home losses, no less. And... Um, Made even worse by, once again, three of them against divisional opponents. 
And I think made it even worse, too, for the fact that uh, had, a, had the Kings shown up, I think, from the start of the game, they probably could have maybe had a chance of getting some points instead of zero points. And, Augie, uh, you are a season seat holder. I'm going to assume you were probably at every single one of those games. Uh, why don't you give us a quick synopsis? What the, what the hell's going on with our team? They sucked. That's what happened. Jonathan Quick uh, against the Ducks. I don't know what. I, I don't know who spiked his drink. I don't know what was going on there, but uh, really just uh, two soft goals, a brain-dead play behind the net, and uh, next thing you know, the Kings are down 3 nothing, and then Pulse went in 3-2 to scare the Ducks, but they end up nailing, putting an empty netter in to seal their fate, and then the Kings come back against the Sharks, and uh, just very lackluster, and what tends to happen, this is real funny, I'm not sure if you guys have ever noticed this or not, but it seems that when the Kings do a pregame ceremony, an elongated one, whether they're raising a Stanley Cup banner, a retirement banner, uh, a, uh, any type of banner up there, they just seem to just have such slow starts, and they end up just having bad games. I, it's something that I've noticed in the past uh, few years, and so uh, coupled with the uh, afternoon start and uh, the banner raising, I had a feeling that uh, the game on uh, Monday was not going to go our way unless we started putting in a ton of goals, and sure enough, it did not go our way, and uh, I think that the recent purge of the Kings uh, that happened was selective of the defensive breakdowns because Darcy Kemper did play a really good game uh, in net for the Kings, but he just was, the defense just didn't do anything for him, did him no favors uh, in these last two games that I saw there at Staples Center. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like I say, the most frustrating thing about it is, once again, they try to rally. They come just tantalizingly close enough to put a little air in the balloon before, uh, you know, the inevitable happens and just a, really a complete letdown. Uh, three very winnable games, but once again, for whatever reason, just uh, it, it didn't happen. And, uh, and uh, you know, I was uh, trying to get Jim Fox on the show. He had another obligation, so he couldn't make it. But, you know, it, it's funny because when you read the comments uh, from the local forums, you have the side that, you know, it's the ebb and flow of an 82-game season, right? You're not going to be kicking ass. You're not the... You're not the 72 Montreal Canadiens that's going to, you know, be able to just put it together a dominant season. There's going to be ebb and flow. Uh, earlier in the season, every lot of things went right. Now at this point, a lot of things are going wrong. So you have the ebb and flow side uh, versus the other side that's saying this is simply it was only a matter of times before uh, the cracks and the weaknesses uh, became apparent for all to see and other teams were going to take advantage of it. So, Augie, as a season ticket holder and who's been to every game, hangs out at Toyota Sports Center. Uh, where, where do you think the truth lies between those two factions? Uh, I think where it just, I think where it comes down to is, that, yeah, this is the ebb and flow of a season, but it also goes to show the strength of the NHL and the parity involved there. Uh, you see, the Kings when they when they lose, it's usually a one goal game. And when they win, it's usually a one-goal game. Uh, just go back through and look at the uh, scores. I haven't done that here, but if you go through, you're going to see a lot of one-goal games, which means that the difference in a game is a mistake, whether it's a mistake on the king's side of the ice or a mistake on the opponent's side of the ice. So uh, 
with with the parity involved and the strength of the teams in the Western Conference, and and at this point, a lot of these teams starting to face each other. This is the wrong time for the teams to for the Kings to go cold because these uh, interconference games, especially the divisional ones, are four point swings, and that's why you've seen the Kings take a plummet here because they've lost to Calgary, San Jose, and Anaheim. Uh, three out of the last four games, uh, and I forgot who the fourth loss was to. I don't have uh, this up in front of Nashville. me. Nashville. It was Na- Nashville. Nashville. Okay. Okay. So that's a conference game, but not. It's not a divisional game, but still, it's in the conference. But yeah. So I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have these issues where uh, these these games matter, and luckily for the Kings, they've got the Penguins and Rangers coming up next, and also also on Friday night. Uh, but at home, they've got the uh, the Penguins and Rangers. And they've been very good against the East, but these uh, these points right now become real critical, especially at this juncture, because that big strong start they had and dashing out the way they did, well, now they're getting caught from behind. It's like that. Uh, it, it, it's like uh, putting the sprinter in a marathon. The sprinter gets out real hard, but by the time he, he's gassed, here come the marathoners who are pacing themselves, and that's what the Kings are experiencing right now. And with the video that that surfaced today, there was one very tall blonde man out on the Toyota Sports Center ice. Hip, I'll let you give the breakdown on that. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, really, that was going to be uh, really a tidbit of, of fantastic news uh, that we could probably speculate on a, a real time frame. But uh, big old tip of the cap to. Uh, Louise Diaz, who posted the video of Jeff Carter skating on Staples Ice. Of course, he wasn't uh, wasn't in full gear. He was uh, really just kind of in a in a sweat sweatsuit and whatnot. But uh, he was out there skating laps, and uh, once again, great great sign for our LA Kings, and uh, really at a at a perfect time, really as well. Oh yes, there we go. The crowd acknowledging. The uh, impending return of Jeff Carter. And uh, once again, just a baby step, but uh, certainly uh, bodes well for the timetable. And, um, you know, you know, Augie, you play certainly far more ice hockey than I do uh, these days, and I know you've never had a tendon injury. Uh, but just looking at the way he was skating on the ice and knowing that the team has given him the green light to go ahead and kind of start getting warmed up again, uh, off the top of my head, and I'm no expert, I'm no physical therapist, I'm no athletic trainer, but I would think that uh, just giving uh, his skating today, you would have to think there's got to be probably maybe a four-week uh, time timetable on that if you just had to go off the top of my head at random. Would you agree that that's probably a pretty honest time frame? I would say so. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the fact that he was out there and he looked, he looked comfortable. Uh, and as a matter of fact, yeah. today was his second straight day of skating. And it was reported uh, yesterday that uh, per, from Rob Blake that uh, Carter had been skating on his own. So uh, he, uh, I, the quote was, uh, Carter just went out on the ice a couple of days ago by himself. And that was a quote by, uh, uh, by Rob Blake given at about 12.53 this afternoon to NHL.com. So he's obviously been toying with the idea and, uh, and more than toying with the idea because he was able to put the boot on. He was able to just get out there and put weight on it and glide and, 
And make no mistake, guys, it just was an easy skate. I mean, I think I skated harder at the King's Holiday Ice when it was up there across the street from the dojo. But the point is, he was out out on the ice, and which is really good news for those kids who bought that that uh, ice time at that uh, Junior Kings uh, fundraiser to have Jeff Carter out on the ice giving lessons to them in the middle of February. So I think that inspired Carter to get out there because he definitely did not want to let the kids down. So if you bid on that and you were one of the you uh, one of the lucky ones. Uh, who gets to participate there. Jeff apparently is not going to let you down, given any unforeseen setbacks. But please, no slew fooding uh, number 77, okay? We want him back out on the ice playing NHL hockey. So, uh, you know, hands off the carts. Absolutely. And if you listen to the show regularly, we had a quite the debate regarding the <laughs> the charity skate uh, with Jeff Carter and how that was going to be handled. So, Good stuff there. Uh, now moving forward even to uh, latest, greatest news. And, geez, just so much to talk about. Amazing what's broken, uh, broke out here within the last week. But uh, we got some roster moves to announce. King sending Oscar Fantenberg and McDermott down to the Ontario Reign, recalling uh, Mike Amadio and Paul Ledoux. And uh, I actually have firsthand... Uh, some first-hand knowledge here, uh, Augie. I went and attended the Ontario Ring game on Saturday. Uh, had the chance to buy uh, tickets for $100, uh, $100 per ticket to take my family to Staples to see the Kings Ducks or take the whole family to Ontario for 80 bucks and be done with it. Uh, I elected for the Ontario Ring. And uh, as I listened to, uh, to Nick and Daryl on AM radio on the way home, I kind of felt uh, justified uh, and a little bit uh, proud of my decision. Uh, that said, uh, I got a firsthand look really at everybody on the rain and took some notes, even did some uh, live tweeting of the event. I don't wow. know if you caught that or anybody else caught that. But uh, let me go ahead and just give you the breakdown because in the, the complete synopsis, Really all about Mike, uh, Mike Amadio. And uh, as we were watching the game, uh, my, my oldest son, who's now playing uh, hockey at you know, rec level and getting ready to play high school ice hockey and quite a player in his own right, uh, you know, he, he had mentioned to me, because I was sitting right next to him, and he was mentioning to me how at the AHL level, it's very apparent the players that have an NHL skill set. You know, it's very easy to see the players that are really there hoping to develop into something much more versus the players that just you can plainly see have the skills. And without a doubt, uh, Mike Amadio, Johnny Brodzinski, and uh, Matt Molson uh, were all the, clearly the top line of really all players. The, the skill set, the the skill level, the passing, the skating, just the way they approached the game, Augie, I have to tell you, it was, uh, it was very apparent. There was no guessing. If you had never watched the game before and you, you know, sat at that game and you said pick out the five best players of the game, it, w- it would have been a no-brainer for you. And one case in particular that uh, I remember, by the way, uh, Mario finished with a goal and assist, and he's on like a 17-point game streak. But uh, – one play in particular didn't end up on the score sheet, but uh, Amadio was uh, back checking defensively, which once again we like to see because we all know through the scouting report he takes a lot of pride in the defensive work. And of course, uh, 
Uh, a team like the Kings are going to de- demand that really from a center. But bad checking defensively, uh, breaks up a play, gets a stick in the lane, gets the puck, takes one look over the shoulder, sees that he's got a winger that's open. And uh, this was, once again, this is just an example of that skill level. He uh, lifts a, a backhanded pass up the wing to a player in motion and put, pretty much puts it right on his stick. I mean, he's back-checking, makes the play defensively, takes the quick look over the left shoulder, gets control of the puck, nice little saucer pass directly onto the stick of his winger that's sitting there waiting for the puck and ready to to rush it in the other direction. And it was just one of those things that at the NHL level you probably take for granted because so many players can do that. Uh, But... Uh, in the AHL level, it, it was just impressive, and it was just really overall a, a, a really good indicator of uh, Mike Amadio's game. And so, quite frankly, I'm I'm really glad to see that he's been called up. I, I don't think the Kings really have uh, nothing to lose. And before I go ahead and talk a little bit about Paul uh, Ledoux, go ahead, Augie, your reaction. Uh, I think it was time to send a few messages. Uh, subtly put and uh, by the way before I go into that uh, right now in the Pittsburgh Anaheim game Jeff Duarte's favorite number of all time for hockey players number 71 just put a goal in net for the Pittsburgh Penguins and that belongs that number of course is num- none other than Maggie Malkin uh, who gives the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins a one nothing lead over the hated Ducks and it sounded like a Pittsburgh home game too just saying guys hey Ducks fans support your team uh, anyways, okay, going forward now to the team that matters, which is our team. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, there's some things that needed to be done. And, and Fattenberg and, uh, and McDermott have been, have been solid out there. But the thing is that there's been too many breakdowns. And part of it is, of course, us missing Jake Muzzin. But if you want to light a fire under some of these guys' rear ends, uh, that's one way to do it. You send, you send down people that you can send down and bring up folks and give them a chance to, to rise up and, and grab something. Uh, Ledoux uh, had a, was up with the Kings last year. Uh, his plus-minus was at an NHL level was not that great, nothing to brag about. But then again, uh, we were functioning with about a 75% Jonathan Quick in net. And uh, the the Kings were really a patchwork defense. So now we're going to have um, Mario come up, who can uh, who can give that uh, hopefully offensive punch and two way game that that we need uh, until we get some reinforcements. And uh, I keep hearing people wanting uh, clamoring for the uh, uh, for the Kings to do a trade for a stay at home defenseman. Well, who are you going to trade? Uh, defensemen, especially really good defensemen, are a premium in the NHL. You're going to have to give up a premium price. So what would you have to give up to get that? And we're, we're at a standpoint where our choices are limited because of salary cap room. But uh, hopefully we get a little more uh, cap relief because also today uh, the Blue Jackets claimed uh, UC Yokin and off waivers from the Kings. So, you see, thank you for your service. Uh, it was nice. It was nice to know you. Uh, He'll be moving on over to Columbus, and uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, we we definitely need someone to step up, and uh, maybe uh, I th- maybe uh, sending down uh, uh, McDermott and also Fattenberg signals the return of Jake Muzzin. 
Yeah, yeah, indeed. And, you know, Augie, before we talk a little bit more about uh, Ledoux and DiMatteo and whatnot, uh, a lot of the boards kind of thought that uh, Jokinen maybe didn't get a fair shake. Um, once again, you probably got your finger on the pulse uh, more than others just by virtue of the amount of time you spend there at Staples and uh, at uh, Toyota Sports Center. Uh, your, your thoughts on that, do you think uh, – you think Jokinen probably could have got some more time? I'll be honest. I, I didn't think he looked out of place. I thought uh, particularly when we looked on that East Coast road trip earlier in the season, he had a hell of a, a, a road trip there when he had a huge goal uh, playing Capitals. And I don't know. I, do, do you think it was just a – think the Kings had just thought that maybe he had lost a step to the point where he was an ineffective player or was – maybe made irreplaceable by a, a Mike Amadio or what, you know, what, what, what's your thoughts on why they thought uh, Jokinen was expendable? Well, he, uh, what did he appear for the okay, So for the Kings this year, he played in 18 games, one goal, four assists, five points, uh, his plus minus was an even zero. Uh, so in his, uh, his ice, his average ice time was 11 minutes and 15 seconds. So what are you paying for that? For that five points in, in 18 games that he got, that he went out there and played, uh, can you get that kind of production from, uh, from an Amadio and also give him experience? Uh, I think a lot of things are dictated by the salary cap, and uh, it's probably one of these things where they, don't, they would rather give a chance to one of the kids to come up and, and get some NHL experience and get some time and you get equal production or around that kind of production. But at the same token, uh, if you have to send a kid back to Ontario, you can do that with, with Jokin and you can't do that because the guy's a veteran. And so you want to give him a chance to uh, get out there and uh, make it into the playoffs. And luckily for him, he, he got claimed by a team that will most likely make the playoffs. Uh, did he get a fair shake? Uh, I think he got a chance to to kind of make a statement, but maybe, like I said, it's one of those things, and it's dictated by, by the salary cap, and the Kings are in an atrocious cap situation. I mean, it gets better by the year, but still, it's it's hard. So what's the production that you're going to get for your dollar? And that was the big thing with Dustin Brown the last couple of years, was that his production did not justify his cap hit. So that might be some of the uh, the thinking behind this. And on top of that, you've got to start giving some of these kids down in Ontario who who are NHL ready to a certain degree a chance to go. So do I have a 34-year-old uh, UC Okanen who's, who's uh, not what he was a chance? Or do I, give, uh, do I give a kid who's been busting his rear in Ontario and it's like, okay, there's nothing more he can do here. Uh, let's give him uh, – let, let's get him a shot and see if he can help the big club out. For about the same for about the same amount of price, if not uh, a lower price. Yeah, absolutely. And also, too, let's be honest. There's something to say about bringing up a young, hungry player that's willing to give a hundred to you know hundred ten percent to stay at the NHL level uh, versus a guy that's played you know eight hundred, nine hundred, a thousand games like Jokinen has. You know, Jokinen's been around where. Uh, at that point, really, playing an NHL game is almost routine, and that's not to downplay it. That's not to say that he's dogging it. But once again, when you play that many games, you don't really give a frog's fat ass what team you're playing. You've been on enough teams. you played enough teams. you played for different teams. You've seen enough to where 
you're not going to get too high. You're not going to get too low. Uh, you know, you're probably, you, you know what you have to give, and you're probably not going to give too much more, and that's just, that's just part of being a, a journeyman athlete, you know, and that's kind of what separates the, the greats from the all rights and the common card type players. So uh, just to give a breakdown of Amadio, though, 34 points in 30 games at the AHL level. Uh, once again, what I had saw, the skill level was apparent. I mean, him and Brodzinski uh, had a, a chemistry. As a matter of fact, that's what will be interesting to see if they will go ahead and, uh, you know, put Amadio and Brodzinski together, maybe with some other type of veteran forward, uh, and see if they give that line a whirl, just knowing the amount of time they kind of played together and have that feel for one another. But they were clearly head and shoulders uh, above the pack. Uh, as I go into uh, Mike Ledoux, or I'm sorry, uh, Paul Ledoux, uh, Ledoux had uh, 17 points in 34 games played this season, uh, eight goals, nine assists, puck-moving defenseman. Uh, Augie, you said it uh, best last year, uh, eight points, eight assists in 22 games. I mean, that's that's not too shabby. Uh, he's still looking for his first NHL goal, but once again, you're looking at that clip of a guy in a rookie you know, cup of coffee probably would have ended up with about 30 points as a, as a defenseman. And uh, you so accurately put out the plus minus, probably not what you'd hope. But once again, you were looking at that end of the season when they recalled him uh, quick was still on the mend. Uh, I'm sure there was games where boot. I was there and it was overall just a very uh, downtrodden Kings uh, team across the board. But uh, I like the move and I think you're right. I think it's, it's a wake up call for the vets it gives younger, hungry players uh, a chance to show what they got. Uh, kind of sends a message to some of those uh, borderline third and fourth liners uh, that they better be busting their ass because it's not out of the realm that they might get sent down. And really, definitely a, a wake-up call for everybody. Uh, you ready for a little yeah. start with numbers, Augie? Oh, yeah. Just real quick, uh, yesterday... Sure. Uh, during the Kings practice, uh, the forward groups uh, with the via the color coding, uh, the top line was Kempe, Kopitar, and Brown, followed by Pearson, Lewis, the Foley, follow Shore, Mitchell, Gabrick, uh, switching spots there off of the wing. And then, of course, what you brought up, the fourth line, Clifford, Andriop, Amadio, and Brzezinski. So Amadio and Brzezinski hmm. were skating together on the fourth line of practice yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I would think that at, at some point you have to roll the dice because, let's be honest, Johnny Johnny Brzezinski, he was getting very, very limited minutes, you know, in his role. He wasn't getting top six times, uh, you know, top six ice times by any stretch. Uh, and he was still, I mean, you could see, you could see the skill level in that role, you know, had uh, two goals in 22 games, once again, very limited minutes. Uh, you got to think playing with a skilled center, uh, he, he, him, once again, him and Amadio, it, it was clear, they're, they're NHL caliber talents. They have an, an NHL caliber skill set. Uh, does this mean that they're going to light the world on fire and be future NHL all-stars? No, uh, of course not. But the raw skill set, the raw talent, definitely there uh, to show that they can play uh, at, uh, at that level. And, uh, yeah, it'll be kind of interesting uh, to see what shakes out and uh, what lineup uh, Coach Stevens decides to go with tomorrow against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, anyways, uh, I was having a little fun with numbers, and 
Boy, a lot of Kings players taking a lot of heat. Jim Fox taking a lot of heat on Twitter, of all things. Uh, but I thought I'd have a little fun with numbers, shall we? Yeah, what did Jim Fox okay. do? Did he go out so, there and skate a few shifts that I wasn't aware of? <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, he had the temerity to uh, correctly break down uh, the penalty on Andrew Cogliano, the uh, suspension-worthy penalty, no less, against Adrian Kempe. And evidently some Ducks fans took a took offense. And, uh, you know, Augie, that, is that not just a, a goddamn punchline that writes itself? Ducks fans questioning the judgment <laughs> and the independence and, and the bias of Jim Fox. Can you believe that? Uh, wow, that's irony. Uh, wow. Uh, it, and, uh, yeah, hey, Ducks fans, uh, Brian Hayward is your color guy. Uh, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just leave that right there. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, it was comical. And as I have said many times on this show, really, one of the reasons that Ducks fans are as messed up as they are is that they learned the game from Brian Hayward, and worse, they believe him. You know what I mean? Like, they've learned the game from him. Therefore, every penalty that goes against the Ducks is in a travesty and a bad call, and every, every go, you know, non-call is once again another travesty and a horrible officiating. So there definitely is no balance uh, nor, once again, any any type of bias, uh, you know, unbiased opinion coming from Ducks fans because they definitely have learned the game from uh, uh, from Brian Hayward. Hey, before we bring our guest uh, on, true. though, last a little bit yeah. of yeah, little, little bit of last uh, well, uh, Kings related oh, tidbits here. Oh, oh, hold on, on just one second. I, I just want I just want to say one thing about that Cagliano that Cagliano suspension. I stand. I this is just my opinion on it. And I'll also uh, also uh, hook Pat Maroon's hit on Dowdy into this. I don't think those were suspension-worthy things. I think those were fine-worthy. But the message that they're sending to all the players is if you do that stuff, you're going to get suspended. It's no longer just pay the ticket kind of thing. It's it's suspension time. Do I if I was in charge of player safety, would I have suspended him? No. But I think the irony of Cogliano's uh, uh, streak being ended is guess who suspended him? George Paros. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, you bring up you bring up another good point there too, though, Augie, is that uh, and you're 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 spot on, really. The NHL wants to send a message. It doesn't matter who it is, is that they're going to lay the smackdown on anybody they think crosses that line. And, uh, you know, if they don't suspend Cogliano, if they don't suspend these other guys, now all of a sudden uh, you have the accusations of favoritism and not being consistent with the calls. And really, I'll be honest, just to use an analogy, I, I personally think this is why the NFL is losing people because there is no consistency. And that makes the game completely unfun to watch and unentertaining because there is no there is no consistency in the NFL officials, and so really I guess in that in that in that scope of things, hats off to the NHL for at least trying to be consistent with their calls and with their rulings. No matter once again, I mean I'm an old schooler. I used to I love the fights, I love the hits, I miss that mid '80s uh, type hockey mentality where every team had 
you know, a fourth line made out of a journeyman center and two goons. You know, I miss that. But I definitely understand where the NHL is coming from. And I got a lot of respect uh, for, for the consistency in this matter. And would you agree that uh, compared and contrasted to the NFL, you kind of almost have to admire it? Yeah, no, they, I give them. I mean, hats off to them. They're uh, they're doing it and they're looking at stuff and they are making their determinations on a case by case basis with uh, with a criteria and they break it down. I mean, every suspension, the NHL player safety releases a video and explains their rationale step by step why they're doing what they're doing. They cite past history. Uh, they, they cite everything that you could in there to give you a full understanding as to why they arrived at the decision uh, that they did uh, in order to uh, execute uh, that, the penalty or not execute a penalty, per se, or uh, supplemental discipline. So hats off to them for that, where we don't really see that with the NF. Uh, now, if they could just uh, straighten out the, uh, some of the inconsistency on the ice for from the referees, that'd be pretty good, but it's, that's a little tougher because uh, if not, the games would never end. Uh, I mean, those games would never end if yeah. they utilize replay and, and such the way that they break oh, down yeah. these player safety issues. So, uh, yeah, no, you're right. Great point, Hip. Absolutely. Well, hey, I had some other things, but I don't want to keep our guests waiting any longer. So uh, awesome to have our next guest. Uh, he's uh, really one of the one of the premier hockey bloggers, and uh, uh, so much admiration for his work. Uh, started off actually working with uh, Jewels of the Crown and the Hockey Riders, and uh, was covering the Kings. And uh, now he's actually working the Las Vegas Golden Knights uh, beat over at Hockey Buzz. And uh, once again, really great to have this guy. We've been wanting him to, to have him come on in some time, and. Uh, big hand for Mr. Shang Peng. Hey, Shang, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, Shang, my going lunch good, partner. Going good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was a good time. <laughs> yes, definitely. Great time talking hockey with you that day, man. That was awesome stuff. <laughs> yeah, for, for on, those guys? of you that aren't following, uh, for those of you that aren't following Shang's Twitter feed and just some of his articles, Oh, oh, hey. Oh, uh, Hip, you still there? Did we lose Hip? Oh, no. Uh, I'm okay. sorry, guys. It's all my fault. Yeah, apparently. Okay, let's cue the Nashville music. <laughs> it's all your fault. It's all your fault. <laughs> Bang. Bang. <laughs> well, is it really my fault, or did I do you guys a favor? I don't know. All right. Wait, I, Can you guys hear me? Up? Now we can hear yeah. you. Dude, you got to switch from Verizon to Sprint, apparently. <laughs> Sorry, I had a, a little cord issue, but I'm, but I'm back now. Anyhow, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's great to have Shang, uh, Shang join us. Uh, really, if you're not following his Twitter feed and his articles, uh, just tr- tremendous work. And uh, really, from once again, working with uh, just some of the, the other Kings blogs that are really good now do. Uh, working with Hockey Buzz, doing great work there with the the Vegas Knights, and uh, it's really an honor to have you. And I guess too, the first thing we ought to really get to is uh, 
you know, when you got assigned a to cover the Vegas Knights, I don't know if you chose them or if you were assigned to them, but uh, when you initially got that assignment, you're probably thinking, oh, geez, I'm covering an expansion team, which is great. But when you were covering them in preseason, did you ever have any idea that they would be really uh, the dominant team that they are today? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I called it from the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, no. Rod, do you have the Twitter to prove <laughs> of course it? Not. No, no, no. I, I had no idea. I did think that they were better than some people predicted. Uh, some people thought that they would be one of those kind of last place kind of teams. I thought they were okay. But, of course, they've exceeded those ex- expectations, everybody's expectations. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And, uh, you know, hats off to them. Uh, I had actually lobbied for Gerard Gallant to be, uh, you know, the next Kings coach. I always thought he was one of the better coaches in the league, uh, the work he did in Florida before being uh, unceremoniously uh, ousted there. I think uh, really the perfect storm of uh, the the right coach in the right era of the NHL with the salary cap and uh, really uh, astute drafting, I think, by uh, the general manager there and uh, – you know, if if you had to put your your finger on it, Shane, what is it that's uh, what is, what is Vegas doing right? Well, they play fast and they have the personnel to execute execute it. And speaking to your point about Gallant coaching the Kings, I wonder how Gallant would have fit with some of the personnel because not all of the personnel with the Kings, I think, would have fit in well with kind of Gerard Gallant hockey. Gotcha. And if you, that's a great point too. Let's give us a, a quick synopsis. What would you, if you had to give a, a brief description of Gerard Gallant hockey, you know, talk us through that. What would that description be? Well, like I said, uh, playing fast, thinking fast. One of the prime examples of somebody who did not do it was Vadim Shipashev. And Shipashev, if you watched him, uh, the few the few games he was in Vegas and even the KHL. Another writer describes Shipashev as a hockey artist. And I think it's very accurate, very deliberate with the puck, uh, with the puck a playmaker, that sort of thing. And that doesn't fit Gallant's kind of uh, high-motor style. People make the mistake of calling Vegas simply a fast team, just meaning they're skating. It's not just that. They are a fast-skating team, but they're not lightningly fast. They don't have any McDavid's on their team. They're simply able to play fast, think fast. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, you can also break this down too, though. I think one of the things that people have mentioned, and once again, hats off to astute uh, drafting, uh, but uh, aren't a lot of kind of the key players on Vegas right now really on one-year contracts, and some of the key players right now might be in restricted free agents. Isn't that the case as well? Well, they've started locking up a few of them, though. Of course, somebody very familiar with the Kings, Braden McNabb, was set to be a UFA, and they locked him up to a, a deal, four-year deal. Uh, Jonathan Marchessault, a very big name there, he was set to be a UFA, and they've locked him up to a six-year deal. And so right now, they only have three major UFAs left. Uh, that's uh, Spiza, James Neal, and David Perron. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha, and so that's pretty good. Uh, you know, uh, tell me a, a little bit, and you can 
now that you're covering mm-hmm. Vegas, you probably now are kind of have a, a, a far more in-depth view of watching a player like James Neal. And, uh, and we've talked about it on this show. And, uh, and, and once again, I, I have no, I will admit, I have no dirt. I have no inside coverage. But mm-hmm. I always wonder with a players like James Neal because, uh, because he's such a talented player. I mean, he scores everywhere he goes. He's physical. Uh, he can drop the gloves. You know what I mean? He's like everything you right. want in a hockey player. You know, he's got size. He does, literally he does everything. So I'm always curious as to how a player like James Neal ends up actually playing on, you know, four different teams in under 10 years given that skill. And it looks like he's blended in really well and kind of taken on a leadership role with Vegas. Uh, but uh, when, when you've gotten to watch James Neal, uh, you know, I've always just questioned maybe there was something in the locker room or something like that. Once again, I had no background. I'm just thinking, mm-hmm. who wouldn't love James Neal? And now that you're watching him really game to game, can you give us a little breakdown of what his game and, you know, do you hear anything about really, is he, you know, is he a class act in the locker room? Uh, you know, just give us a little bit of a scouting report now that you're covering him full time. Sure. Well, absolutely. In this locker room, uh, he's, been great he's blended in uh great uh no uh no issues no questions i can't really speak so much to what happened in the past and you know uh, james is now 30 years old so maybe that has something to do with it maybe he's matured but just for example a question of how uh, or speaking to how he's blended in during the vegas bye week a number of the golden knights they went on a boat trip to mexico and it was a blend of old and young golden knights you know younger golden knights like colin miller brendan leipzig and Alex Tuck and older ones like James Neal. And so that kind of tells you, well, here's a guy that's fitting in with, with everybody pretty well. So I think also, too, you mentioned all the places he's been traded to, but he was traded for pretty good players, too. So that had something to do with it also. You know, it wasn't like he was being uh, traded for pennies on a dollar like Evander King might be. <laughs> touche, touche. No, and – and you do bring up a really good point. Uh, you know, in baseball circles, they always talk about, uh, you know, the pitcher that loses 20 games. And people think what a loser he is to lose that many games. But the fact is he has to be good enough to be able to start X amount of games to actually right. warrant being, uh, you know, starting that many games to lose it. So, no, that's actually a, a really good point. You know, the other, the other real, you know, coup d'etat that I thought Vegas did really well uh, was bringing in uh, was bringing in their goalie, you know, uh, uh, Mark Andre Fleury. I've always had a lot of respect for him, not only when he was the man in Pittsburgh, but uh, even when he took a took a back seat uh, to the other youngsters. Mm-hmm. But he always held himself with such class, and uh, it looks to me uh, that he's he's really carrying on that tradition of Vegas of really not only just being a classy player, but overall, what a what a great spokesman for the game. Right, absolutely. Uh, from the beginning, he's been the perfect franchise face for Vegas. Uh, you know, always his big smile on his face. And he is the kind of guy that, you know, they, they, it's, it sounds like kind of a cliche thing, but from the beginning they, they talked about how McPhee picked character. And there is a truth to that. You know, character, you, character doesn't win you hockey games by itself, but character with skill can and so in a case of a guy like Flurry, uh, Flurry 
Flurry could could be the captain of this team, you know, in the way that Roberto Luongo was for Vancouver years ago, kind of an unofficial captain. And I actually asked David Prawn about that, and Prawn said, yeah, absolutely. He's absolute leader, but that's not something that Mark is looking for right now. Good stuff. Good stuff. Augie, did you have uh, have a question or a comment there for uh, Shang? Well, uh, one of the things that I've seen, uh, having gone to uh, Vegas and uh, saw the Kings play there, uh, that mm-hmm. arena is just electric. I mean, you talk about a true home ice advantage. Uh, the people in Vegas, uh, you got to understand that, that Vegas has had hockey for a long time. Uh, I lived out in Las Vegas in the mid-2000s, and I used to go mm-hmm. over to the Orleans Arena and watch the Las Vegas Wranglers play, the ECHL oh, awesome. franchise that England, was out maybe. there. Yeah, exactly. No, I did see him, and then I, I'd see him in the I'd see him in the casino after the game, going to get something to eat at the buffet at the Orleans buffet with the rest <laughs> of the boys, because you do anything you can to save money. Uh, right. <laughs> and and yeah, I mean the uh, I mean there was already there was already a passion there for uh, for hockey, and there there is a hockey crowd there, and I'll tell you, being the First, and that's what these guys are. I mean, the Vegas Knights are the first major league franchise in Las Vegas. And in a town full of transplants, a, tra- a town full of people that came from from uh, somewhere else, because that's one thing. There are very few, very few people that are truly uh, Vegas-born, and I'll, I'll steal your hashtag there. Uh, they're <laughs> they're mostly people just – yeah, exactly, right? Well, I should say the Knights uh, hashtag right there. Uh, there are very few that are that are actually born, raised, and stay in Vegas. A lot of people relocate there, but they have been embraced. And the way that organization has embraced the city, uh, the the timing of the tragedy that happened, and their classy response right. to it, uh, really just galvanized uh, the city, the town, and made them one. And so these guys go from uh, the what I saw on draft day was. You saw the the Knights draft some solid veteran players and kids with potential. And these guys have just banded together as a team. And if there's one thing about hockey that we can all agree on, I mean, anybody that that is any fan of hockey or follower of hockey, it is a true team game. And I think that's been the biggest difference with these guys is, one, they were born in the salary cap era. So there's parity. And you put a coach there that obviously they believe in because they're executing the system and they're playing as a team. They are playing as one. And that is the thing I've seen out there. They got rid of the guy who didn't fit in, in a, in a ship. I can't say his damn name. What's his name again? <laughs> ship a chef. Yeah. Ship a chef. Which, uh, what is there? Like 75% discount. Yeah, is there seventy five percent discount on his jerseys over in the armory there right now? They have any leftovers? So if you want a if you want a short lived Shipashev jersey, uh, just uh, drop uh, Shengpeng's name over there and uh, and they'll give you seventy five percent off. And if that doesn't work, then I guess the Groupon expired or something. But the bottom line is, from what I've seen with them, uh, these guys play a team game. They're one of the least penalized teams in the league, and I think that's been yep. a real big, uh, real big. Uh, thing with them is that they adapted to the rules and that's the other thing guys you know what a majority of the players on their team this is they didn't have that many years in the nhl playing under the previous set of rules so now that they've come up 
they're playing with these new rules and it's not foreign to them. So things that were instinctual or reactive, they're not taking a lot of penalties because this is their first year up there and they didn't have to unlearn a previous style. Like, I mean, look, I mean, look at Adrian Kempe. Uh, the, the beginning of this season, preseason, and the beginning of the year, he was taking slashing penalties all over the place. I mean, the guy had, the, the guy had more cuts than Jack the Ripper. Uh, and he would get always sent to the box and put the Kings shorthanded. But he's adapted his game. He's had to change it. Where, these, where Vegas has been very disciplined and, and executing a game plan and playing team hockey. And uh, with all that but, said, during this whole time that I've been talking, the Ducks have taken a 2-1 lead. So I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> well, one of the interesting things uh, about Vegas, and we're talking about style, is that they've only taken five fighting majors this season. And, of course, we know that fighting, whether you're a fan or not, is kind of going out of style in this league. And speaking of also how they how they believe in their coach, and you're definitely right. Everybody says it to a man that we've bought in, we've bought in, we've bought in. I've heard it so many times. But it's true, though, when you watch them play, that they have indeed bought in. And so using the Shippershev example again, it's not that Shippershev uh, isn't a talented player. It's not that he couldn't play in this league. When Vegas made him available, Anaheim wanted him. L.A. wanted him, but just a question of would he fit, would he buy into what Gallant wanted, and I think there was a real question with that. And then now talking about just the atmosphere in Vegas, if you guys haven't gone, and I'm not speaking just to you guys, but anybody who's listening, you guys really should go. It's a special atmosphere now because it's the first year, so all the opposing fans have sort of circled it on their calendar to come over, so there's more, more of the opposing fans coming in. But also, too, the Vegas team is good. So the Vegas fans feel kind of uh, what's that? emboldened to answer back when the opposing fans try to take over the arena. And so you have this whole volley between the opposing fans. Let's say it's the Chicago fans who travel well. Chicago fans coming in and then Vegas fans uh, rallying back. And Pierre Bellamar gave a, 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 great, uh, a great comparison Pierre started in the NHL at the age of 29. He played in Sweden and France before. And he said that it was like European soccer, that kind of volley back and forth. And he said he loved it. Mm-hmm. And it just it makes for such wow. a fun atmosphere. And I, couldn't tell, I can't tell you if Vegas will be as good next year. And some of the fans who are coming this year, I, uh, I mean the, the out-of-town fans, you know, they'll, they'll be like, well, we, we, went, we went during the first year, so we're not going to go back uh, next year. So this year, there's something special about this year. And so if you're a Kings fan, come out. Nice, nice stuff. You know, it's funny too, Shane, because on that same note, we had kind of talked about it on a a show over the summer about the Raiders' impending move to Vegas. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and and they brought up a really good point that, uh, that nobody, like a football player, even a hockey fan, no one's ever disappointed to go to Vegas. You know what I mean? It's like no mm-hmm. Kings fan is going to give a fist pump to go to Columbus. You know what I mean? Nobody, <laughs> nobody's going to care about, about going to cities like that to watch the Kings play. But everybody gets excited to go to Vegas. You know, I don't care if you're a gambler or a drinker or what. You know, it's impossible to not kind of get a, a sense of excitement when you go to Vegas. And so... Yeah, I think in that case you're spot on. Who wouldn't 
want to go out to Vegas and spend a couple days and watch hockey and watch their favorite team. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a no brainer. Hey, to uh, circle the, the wagons back to some Kings player, uh, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about Braden McNabb. I mean, you followed him uh, here with the Kings and now he's on Vegas. And as you mentioned, just signed a contract extension. Uh, is, uh, you know, is his play slowly improving? Is he rounding out some of the smooth edges or is he pretty much still the, what you see is what you get type of Braden McNabb where you're going to get the big hit, but sometimes you're going to get the ill-advised pinch. And uh, give us a little bit more now that you're covering Vegas about uh, what you've uh, noticed in his game. Yeah, uh, there's as both of that. You still get the big hits. He's one of the few Vegas defenders that you consider kind of rough and tumble type because they have a lot of puck movers on their blue, on their blue line. And you do also get that pinch here and there where you know it goes the other way. As we saw with Braden all those years, once he gets beat, it can be pretty ugly because he doesn't have the recovery speed. But he definitely has flourished here with more responsibility, uh, being the kind of the only guy down down low who you know can play that rough and tumble game. And he's shown surprising. Um, I think more often than not, his pinches are are smart, and that's a big part of the Vegas game to pinch down the five man four check. And he's fit in well with that. And I think actually he probably learned that a lot from playing in in the King system under Daryl Sutter. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, one last question here, uh, as. Uh, as we round up our discussion and thanks again, everybody. Uh, thanks so much, Shang, for coming on the show. And once again, yeah. for you people listening, uh, you can follow Shang on Twitter. And uh, once again, hockey buds, you're doing yourself a huge disservice if you're not uh, following him and reading his articles, because he does a great job. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Vegas flu, because personally, you know, <laughs> you, you, you hear stories and me and Augie talked about it, you know, and you think, you know, players are maybe go and party in the, you know, the night before and blah, blah, blah. Personally, uh, I think it's just, you know, Vegas is a good team. I think the Vegas right. flu is really just an excuse to minimize a great effort uh, by a well-coached team. And it's really, it's just an excuse. I, I don't think that players are going out and partying in Vegas. And my, my exhibit A is if an NHL player that's making a bunch of money, it's not like he couldn't go out and get shit face drunk in New York or Boston or you know, sure. or Vancouver. There's nefarious activity that goes on in Vancouver. So, would you agree with me? Vegas flu is really just an excuse to justify a shitty performance against a good hockey team. Well, let me put it this way: Connor McDavid could get loaded. He could he could get trashed and marry, uh, you know, get get married three times in one night <laughs> to five Correct. different hookers in in Vegas. If he showed up uh, on the ice the next night against us, he would smoke us. Because, you know, you, you and I, I don't know how good a hockey player you are, but, you know, we're not angel players. So whatever happens to the guys the night, the, the night before, you know, the, the opposing team, they still got to come out to the ice, and they're going to beat most teams still because they're still angel players. And, but if it's a good team, which Vegas is, then they're going to get beat. And so, yes, I do agree with you. It's mostly, it's, it's, it's mostly just, being beat by a better team than being beat by a good hockey team. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, just so, uh, once again, it's just it's it's definitely without a doubt the story of the year, and it'll really be interesting to see, 
you know, is there going to be a, you know, at some point you're expecting a shoe to drop. I mean, we saw how hot the Kings were and, uh, uh, you know, we've seen the drop now. Every team has their ebb and flow. And as of, as so far, Vegas hasn't really had uh, a stumbling block uh, as of yet. Let me ask you, Shane, I mean, if you had to, to yeah. really point to a weakness on Vegas, what do you think it would be? Um, there's two places. Defensively, they still don't have, you know, they have kind of a no-name defense that has done really well. But in the playoffs, when you're playing seven games, series against the best players in the, in, in the league, the best forwards, you might have some issues. Uh, also, too, their power play isn't great, and so that's an area that they might address during the trade deadline. And isn't that crazy to think about that? They can be adding during the trade deadline, which no one would have ever foreseen. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so crazy. True. You know, you bring that's an amazing point. Has there ever been an expansion team that is now, yes, adding bodies for a playoff run. You know, historically, you would you would draft a player that was a good character guy and kind of plan on dealing him at the deadline for picks and prospects and whatnot. So it's a strange position for Vegas. Yeah, they'll probably be the first expansion team that's looking to, to add bodies and fortify for a playoff run. Well, actually, uh, the expansion Panthers did a little bit of that. They traded for actually a familiar king during their expansion year, Bob Kodelsky, who was their leading goal scorer that year. So I could see Vegas doing kind of moves like that, uh, adding adding supplemental pieces. They do have a war chest of kind of second-round draft picks. I don't think that they would trade their their top young assets, you know, first-round picks or any of the three guys they drafted in the first round uh, during the draft uh, this past draft. But it's interesting. They're definitely an interesting position, and we'll see what happens. And actually, I wanted to ask you guys. I missed the first part of the show a little bit there. Uh, are you guys worried about the Kings? We're always worried about um, the Kings. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. That comes with being a fan. <laughs> um, I'll, give, I'll give my two cents, and then I'll throw it to Augie. Um, if yeah. not for – I think I would be much more worried – if Jeff Carter was actively on the team the whole season and we were now getting this slump, uh, we said earlier, earlier in the season when Carter went down that it could almost be a blessing in disguise where you see so many times the team that gets hot right when the playoff starts is going to have a great chance of winning it. And uh, with Carter being out, never, not, not that an injury is ever a good thing, but it definitely gave Adrian Kempe – far more ice time than the Kings probably ever could have imagined. And now right. with uh, Carter probably going to be back in four weeks, uh, you could probably move him to wing. Or once again, if you want him to roll the dice and put him as a third-line center, you now have that option. So if not, if, if Carter was here all season, I think I would have definitely been a, a lot more downtrodden. But knowing that he's going to return, give them a little bit of extra spark uh, with the play here he is. Um, I'm I'm confident they should at least be able to make the playoffs. And Augie, I'll go ahead and mm-hmm. let you uh, field that same question. Well, I'll tell you, just looking at it from an objective standpoint, uh, this uh, having the uh, Eastern Conference kind of out of the way, uh, uh, not completely out of the way, but the majority of the game's already done. So this way, you have a lot of Western Conference matchups. Uh, these these next uh, actually really these next two months are going to dictate a lot of where we're going to stand uh, come April to see if we are going to have some April, May, hopefully June hockey 
But, I mean, these guys got to start playing a 200-foot game and 60-minute hockey because mm-hmm. these lapses and, and this falling behind uh, and playing from behind uh, a lot more often than they play from ahead is going to wear a team down over time. And these guys got to start playing – uh, with more, uh, with it's not so much uh, urgency, but got to do the 60-minute thing. That, that, that's really what it comes down to. And hopefully, uh, there's enough moving parts there, and that uh, and that this team is just kind of to say that they're streaky is an understatement. Because boy, they go on a winning streak, it all looks good. They go on a losing streak, right. and it's all gloom and doom because they don't do the win one, lose one, win one, lose one, it's like win six in a row, lose four in a row. I mean, it's nuts. I've I n- never seen anything like it. So it's a real uh, – it's a little bit concerning from that standpoint, but this is the first, uh, the, this is the first uh, year of, uh, of Stevens, and, and he's being tested right now. So hopefully these guys will pull through it and play it through and figure it out, and it's a matter of getting just into the playoffs. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, this team – got in there as an eighth seed and won their first cup as an eighth seed. So uh, just get in there. They're a good road team. So I, I, in their vets and they've been together, they've been there, done that. So it's a matter of just get in, get in healthy and let's see what these guys can do. And I just, I don't try to get too up and I don't try to get too down. Uh, let's just see where they lie uh, to late March and early April. Hmm. Okay. Indeed. Yeah, Indeed. I find uh, the depth to be a little bit of a concern there with this team. And uh, that's a that's a product of the of the salary cap situation right there, and the, right. the draft picks that that Dean Lombardi traded away over the past few years. And you're so right, especially that word of depth. We don't we don't have too many guys or too many youngsters that other clubs would clamor for. Uh, I mean. The one guy, the one guy that I wish was still in an LA Kings jersey, ironically, is wearing a Golden Knights jersey, and that's Colin Miller. I love that kid. Mm. I've always thought highly yeah. of him. And uh, right-handed defenseman, great skater, uh, and he's uh, his game has really evolved. And I think he's been a really, really good difference maker there for the Knights. And uh, that was that was very savvy of them to uh, pick him up. And I don't know what box thinking as far as exposing him because that kid's a young yeah. talent and that's a guy I never yeah. would have left uh, available that's a perfect example of what you're saying though with the Kings where I've seen this year I don't watch every single game but I watch when I can and I see this kind of uh, revolving door at bottom pairing defense and I see that can't quite get the third and fourth line settled down and even with Dustin Brown's kind of renaissance and hey you know he's been very good this year, more power to him, but still don't know if he's the guy you want as your top line winger, as good as he's been. Yeah. And I think it kind yeah. of speaks to that yeah. the, the team is it's still kind of top heavy. You know, there's there's Andre, there's Drew, there's Quickie, and then in between there's a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah, I think it's Definitely a very, very safe and uh, uh, accurate assumption and, uh, you know, an assessment of the Kings, bar, bar none. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens, though, with the recall of uh, Mike Amadio, who I had uh, mm-hmm. gave a scouting report of, and Paula Ledoux uh, coming in because, really, those two pieces 
uh, could really address both those things you've just said, Ching. You know, uh, Paul Ledoux, yep. uh, mobile defenseman, had, you know, played last year when you were covering the Kings, you know, had some success. And uh, same with Mike Amadio, the skill level very apparent, and uh, he was definitely ready. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, what kind of effects that has on the Kings. Once again, you get uh, Carter probably coming back in four weeks, and all of a sudden now it uh, tends to balance everything out. And, uh, hey, wouldn't it be a kick if, uh, by the grace of God, the Kings ended up playing Vegas in the playoffs? Oh, that would be awesome. Look, look forward to that. That would be amazing. Hey, Shang, uh, thank you so much for coming on the air with us. It was uh, We've been trying to get you on for so long. I'm glad we were able to work tonight. And, uh, once again, you keep up the, the good work because I always enjoy your thank articles you. and your tweets and all that good stuff, okay? Yeah, anytime, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Shang. Great talking all with right. you, man. Yep. See you soon, man. There we go, Mr. See ya. You got it. Mr. Shang Pang, once again, writer over at uh, Hockey Buzz. Uh, does really, really good work. If you're not following him and checking out his stuff, uh, you owe it to yourself. All right, hey, Augie, here is the last thing that I wanted to kind of bring up. I was toggling some numbers here. I think this is apropos. Okay, so a lot of debate about uh, the Kings' bottom six, as Shang had mentioned, and really... Uh, Andrioff is really now the new whipping boy with Jordan Nolan gone and uh, Dwight King gone. There's nobody left. And so, um, you know, I've, I've defended Andrioff. And once again, I think, I think it's unfair to, you know, to look at the, the King season and blame the, you know, uh, your fourth line checking wingers. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I can, <laughs> I can give you a story where, a couple of years ago when Rich Hammond was the LA Kings insider, I think I drew, drove him back shit crazy one, one time during a post-game chat where I managed to put a salvo of uh, Ritus Evenon's questions <laughs> one after the other, <laughs> which uh, I, I don't think sat well with him for that same reason. But, uh, you know, I like to crunch the occasional number and um, – so I, I took a look at uh, uh, another whipping boy who, uh, you know, and I, yours truly is probably guilty more so than any, but I thought Don't I would take Nick a look Shore. at... Uh, Don't say Nick Shore. Don't <laughs> say Nick Shore. <laughs> How did you know? That's where I was going, dude. How did you know? Oh, Kip. Jeez. Leave oh, Nick alone. Okay. Just No, no. Here, here here's my angle, so hear me out. I just okay, thought it would be fun for shits and giggles to compare uh, Andrioff to Nick Shore, given <laughs> that once again, Andrioff is your fourth line winger that's probably I'm gonna guess Andrioff's probably never had more than ten minutes of ice time in any NHL game. Is that a safe assumption? Okay, yeah, I'll go with that. Fair. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. But when we look at Nick Shore, he's really at times been counted on uh, to be a third line checking center. Uh, at times he was actually centering to Foley and Pearson. So once again, also a safe assumption that when you really look at the two players, the two roles that uh, n- not out of the realm to think that on average, Nick Shore is probably going to get uh, far more ice time than Andreoff. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. 
Okay, thank you. Now that we've established some basic truisms, Your Honor, I pre- I, okay. I present my case. So I it. thought it would just be fun to compare uh, the career points per game, you know, points per game for both players given that one is known for being a fourth-line winger and dropping the gloves more so than anything else, and the other has definitely had far more uh, critical minutes in the game and really been counted on uh, to provide more. So, anyways, here it is. Uh, Nick Shore, 213 NHL games, 46 points. Uh, Andy Andrioff, 143 NHL games, uh, for 19 points, once again, right about what you'd expect. But when we really do the points per game breakdown, uh, Nick Shore, 0.215 points per game. Okay, 0.215, basically one point every five games. Uh, Andy Andrioff, 0.132 points per game. And uh, what is my point here is that really when you look at the difference between Andrioff and Shore, you're talking 0.08 points per game, you know, less than 0.1%. And uh, once again, what does it mean? I don't, I don't fucking know. I'm, you know, maybe going out for, you know, definitely pulling from left field here. But the point is when you look really at Andrioff, the whipping boy, Versus Shore, who's definitely a different type of whipping boy. Does it does it amaze you that really, when you look at the amount of play uh, of quality ice time, and you look at clearly, there's got to be there's there's a, a certainly the skill set of Nick Shore is certainly far and above that of Andy Andrioff, and no one's ever going to compare the two. But does it surprise you too when that when I reveal that that you're really only looking at a point zero eight percentage difference in uh, overall points per game, Augie? Uh, well, I'll tell you, you know what? I wish we had uh, Dean Wormer here to do the whole the scene from Animal House. Zero point zero <laughs> uh, sound bites. That would have been fantastic right there with the, with the point zero eight. Uh, yeah, I mean, Andrioff isn't there for his scoring prowess. Uh, I would... Boy, yeah. I mean, Nick Shore, he's uh, he's not he's not a young kid. I I don't know. I you know who would have been a an interesting uh, comparison to just to cross compare is uh, to put in that pool would have been Nick Dowd to see what his number breakdown was mm. uh, from that from that average yeah. standpoint because then you can then you can truly compare Andrew off to two guys who. So if you had to choose between, I mean, I would rather have seen the Kings keep Dowd rather than Shore to to really be when we look at this for what it is. But maybe they see something in Shorezy there. Uh, all I know is he's really good at sewer ball uh, in the pregame down in the hallway. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, there should be there should be more of a difference. But, hey, here's here's the next question. Why don't you compare uh, Andrioff? To when you get a chance, I mean, obviously not right now, but the next show, the the whipping boy thing. Let's mm-hmm. compare Andrioff to Jordan Nolan, the the points per game, okay. and then let's compare let's compare Andrioff to, uh, let's say from the Ducks, Kevin Bieksa, because they had their they had their little showdown. I mean, they're they're kind of the same type of player. 
What would that what would that be like? Yeah, I think the and the ducks. I think the, the difference ducks just there. Scored again. The di- Oh yeah, what is it now? Four to one. Yeah, they're just uh, oh boy, Pittsburgh's just crap in the bed. Uh-huh. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Hey, anyways, I, I think I think Biesca would be an unfair comparison just by virtue uh, that he uh, is a defenseman, but also too for the fact that when he was on Vancouver, you know, now he's I think a number five, number six guy for the Ducks. But uh, when he was uh, you know in Vancouver, he was actually getting top four ice time uh, for defensemen. No, no, so I think it, it might past. be a little bit. No, of, just. No, just do it at the time he's been in Anaheim because in Anaheim he's not been a top four guy. That, that's all. Just do it over the past couple seasons. Okay, you know really what? Let's what go ahead. At. We'll put that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll put that together yeah. and uh, we'll have that next show. That's a great idea, Augie. Remind me to uh, Thank you, sir. remind me to bust it out when we do our our pre-show prep that we put so much time into before each and every show uh, with the. That's right. Uh, the show prep and the planning that we do in the green room and the boardroom. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely uh, run through the numbers here. And uh, Jeff giving us the uh, Toronto uh, version and, uh, and all that good stuff. So, no, great idea, and we'll definitely do that next show. Thank you. Not only that, I just wanted to flex stuff away from Nick Shore. Leave Nick Shore alone. <laughs> all right. All right, well, we've had a, a, a really good show uh, tonight. Once again, thanks to uh, Shang Pang for coming on. Uh, Kings play Pittsburgh tomorrow, as Augie mentioned. Uh, uh, Ducks taking at Pittsburgh right now, 4-1, to one, and uh, in another not-so-packed house there in Anaheim. And uh, I'll tell you, Augie, this will be a real kick in the balls if the Kings lose to Pittsburgh tomorrow, you know, a back-to-back, getting their ass kicked against Anaheim. If they can beat the Kings tomorrow – uh, we should all feel great shame. And uh, well, I'll tell you, you know what? I'll, I'll tell, tell you, what, you right. Just, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go yeah. ahead, buddy. No, what I was going to say is, I uh, just wanted to take one quick moment while we are talking about Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh's backup goalie is playing today because uh, Matt Murray, their uh, their young star goalie, who's uh, led them to two Stanley Cups, uh, his father passed away suddenly this past week, uh, a couple days ago. And that's why uh, he's not in goal tonight, and he's on an indefinite leave of absence. So definitely, I mean, just, uh, just, uh, I mean, just, just terrible. And it's nothing that uh, anybody can ever really be prepared for, but especially when it happens suddenly and and such. Uh, I mean, you know, our, I mean, my, my heart goes out to him because I mean, I lost my father uh, when I was uh, like 27 years old. Uh, actually, I was 29, and so I know what that's like for him. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, condolences definitely to uh, to the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins uh, fan base, uh, and also, of course, to a goaltender Matt Murray. So, uh, yeah, so we're gonna we're, we're not gonna be seeing their uh, their top uh, their top goalie, and uh, apparently, I guess they're feeling the effects out there. So, this is a team that, uh, from that standpoint, they are. I mean, they're down, but they still got they still got Sid the Kid, they still got Kessel, and they still got Malkin out there, and, and Latang. So. Uh, it's not going to be an easy uh, an easy road to hoe tomorrow uh, over the frozen dojo. Indeed, indeed. All right, well, a hell of a show. Uh, we will definitely be back. I don't believe we're going to be covering the Ducks on Friday. Uh, I think I have some other business, but we'll see. Maybe we can get uh, Jeff to stay up late if he wants. We'll work that out, but we'll definitely be back on. 
in just a couple of weeks. Uh, the Kings have another East Coast road swing, which we will be on the air to go ahead and uh, cover at that time. And uh, I'll tell you what, Augie, it's uh, been a while. Uh, why don't you go ahead? Do you want? Uh, is it is it too early for a little Sammy Hagar, or do we got to stick with the Elvis? Uh, we'll stick with the Elvis for now, uh, only because uh, I, I really want to. I like doing those things when it truly is a Sammy Hagar weekend. I mean, come on, you know what I mean? It's got to be, got to be something. Uh, got to be something else there. So yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Well, why don't All you right. go ahead and sign us off, then, my friend? Okay, well, uh, all of you guys, uh, thank you so much for tuning in as we kind of gave a little uh, midweek update here on the happenings and all the transactions that took place this week as the Kings did their version of the purge. Uh, And that is actually actually really should be the the L.A. to Ontario purge because nobody was really uh, sent pack in other than uh, UC Okanen who got his – who was put on the waiver wire and picked up by the Columbus Blue Jackets. So uh, uh, best of best of luck to UC. But uh, here we go, guys. Take care with the Pope up Elvis. See you guys soon.
You're fantastic, thank you. You're a beautiful audience, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Boy. <laughs>